Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers, joined as always by myself, Orlando, and Jared Cowley. Max Barr has the day off. It's the day after game number one of the Portland Trail Blazers, Denver Nuggets first round playoff series in Rip City, feeling good <laughs> as the Trail Blazers get the victory 123-109 to to take a 1-0 series lead. Portland Trail Blazers did so many things right in this game, just an a well-coached, great game plan that worked out well. So many contributions across the board. And it was Lillard time when the game was on the line. A lot to be excited about, Jared. What would you think about the Blazers' performance, man? I mean, I think that's the biggest takeaway from game one is just how well the Blazers played and, and how expertly they executed the game plan. I mean, it was a it was a great plan to begin with, uh, you know, more than anything to decide that we're going to defend Jokic one-on-one. And if he gets his points against us, so be it, but we're going to stay home on everyone else. And they did that exceptionally well. Um, you, it's, I, I, there's so little to nitpick here. It was just an excellent performance by the Blazers in game one. And Blazers fans should feel extremely optimistic about this series going forward because the Blazers have now taken home court advantage back and they've shown that, you know, Denver's going to have a really hard time keeping up with Portland and all the offensive firepower they have. And Portland has shown that maybe defensively they can get after the nuggets and make it difficult for them. So an excellent game one performance, uh, everything Blazers fans would hope for. Let's dive right into this game because I think there is a lot to unpack and we're, I'm going to toot our horn a little bit on <laughs> our keys to victory. And, and As you should. And uh, th- there were just a lot of things that have aged well over the past couple of days. Uh, give, our, our, give our co-host Max, uh, he's not here with us today, but he came up with these four keys and kind of presented them to us. And we were like, yeah, those, those sound good. Those sound like you know, kind of the keys we might come up with as well. And they were so good, we decided, hey, let's just be – have these be the four keys for a Blazers victory for our podcast team instead of each coming up with individual keys. So credit to Max because he actually came up with these four. Max was was money once again. And so <laughs> that makes it easier for us to unpack everything yeah. because of the way those keys divide up the way the Blazers played in this game. Yeah. And so let, let's go through it, Jared. Number one was Lillard and McCollum have to be great. 
Powell has to be ready to make Denver pay for double teams. What'd you think about the way that played out? Uh, pretty well. I mean, Damian Lillard was outstanding, 34 points, career playoff high, 13 assists, only two turnovers. You know, shot the ball well from three, five for 12. Um, he was good enough from the field, 10 for 25. Um, he really carried this team on offense and did a really good job of, I mean, Denver absolutely sent, they trapped and they blitzed, you know, as we expected them to do. And Damian Lillard made them pay, you know, he, he got the ball moving. He set up that great ball movement we saw from the Blazers all game long and other players were able to make Denver pay for the extra attention. They, they showed to Dame CJ was good, you know, not great. 21 points. Uh, he shot eight for 20 from the field, three for seven from three. So that's fine. I mean, CJ can be better. That's the thing. Like he's, he's always played really well against the Nuggets. So he had, you know, a good game, but he can be better. That's something for Blazers fans to look forward to. Um, Norman Powell needs to be better. I thought defensively, you know, he got the, the primary assignment against Michael Porter Jr. I thought defensively he was good. Offensively, he had an off game, just 10 points, shot the ball poorly, three for 11 from the field, one of four from three. But the, the overall point we had, that Powell and others need to be ready to make Denver pay whenever they trap and blitz Dame was something Portland excelled at throughout the game. Um, not necessarily with Powell, like we talked about, but certainly through players like Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Dame, he was in complete control the entire time, the entire game. And he was the best player on the court in game one. He was aggressive, you know, attacking the, the Nuggets defense. All those blitzes and traps that Denver sent at him didn't phase him one bit. He spread the wealth to all of his teammates. He made everyone around him better. Uh, ESPN had a stat that I was reading last night in their game recap. Dame's teammates shot 13 for 15 on passes from him last night, including six of seven from three. So he really got the ball to his teammates where they needed it a lot of times when they were open and they hit those shots, um, you know, 13 for 15 on passes from Dame. That's, that's crazy. So I'd say that CJ can be better. Norm definitely needs to be better on offense. Dame was transcendent and you know, that's what the Blazers needed. So uh, I'd put a check mark next to that one. Totally. Uh, Dame, CJ and Powell in the first half uh, did not shoot well and yeah. they struggled from three. But, you know, the supporting cast did their job and, and Dame um, took what the defense gave him. Yeah. And, you know, that's where you get those those 13 assists. But big time players step up in big time moments. That's what Damian Lillard did, you know, down nine early in the third quarter. He comes comes in and just lets it rip, like could feel the urgency and and took over that game. Uh, hitting big-time three-pointers, those deep, top-of-the-key threes, no hesitation, just money. And he, the Blazers absorbed the Nuggets' biggest shot, and by the end of that quarter, we're up 10. Yeah. So it just shows you also sometimes the most obvious key you want to overlook, and that's Damian <laughs> Lillard. You know, we were, we were so concerned with, with Jokic, but there's a huge mismatch with whoever they put on Damian Lillard. The Nuggets uh, don't have anyone who can guard him. They don't. Not and a single player. It became so apparent when they got into that pick and roll and they were coming at MPJ. MPJ was dancing. 
<laughs> Dame had him on skates, and it was a mismatch that they were just going at because it was there all day. And when Compazzo was on him, Dame's just a bigger dude. Dame was able to get to his spots. He even sunned him one time, put him down on the ground, backed up and, and drilled the tray from the corner. Th- those moments were like, uh-oh, like Dame can get his whenever he wants. And when that happens, like I'm, I'm wondering how the Nuggets will adjust to that. What will they do to make Dame's life difficult? Because I don't know if the, that they have anyone that is capable of, of slowing Dame down. And if Dame is going to be comfortable, good night. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times teams will try to put length on Dame to mm-hmm. slow him down, and and that has been effective in the past. And the Nuggets have Aaron Gordon. You could try putting him on Dame more. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is, if if you throw Aaron Gordon out there, Dame's just going to go around him. Um, I don't think Aaron Gordon can can effectively defend Dame either. I mean, I really don't think the Nuggets have an answer for Damian Lillard. So they're going to have to come up with other answers, knowing that kind of like the Blazers have almost with Jokic that, yeah, Jokic, you're going to get yours. We're going to try and funnel you into it the way we want you to get your points. And the Nuggets might have to do the same thing. Just know that like Dame's going to, Dame's going to, going to beat us in that individual matchup, but can we find other matchups that we can win enough to eke out victories in these games? Because they don't have an answer for Dame. They just don't. I think that's that's the perfect way to segue. I'll say one other thing there, and that's that Norman Powell has to be better. I yeah. mean, defensively, solid job. Need more buckets from him. And uh, if CJ could get his twos up a little more, he was eight of twenty from the field. He's three of seven from three, which is which is all right. Maybe he takes a couple more, and the the numbers even out there. But um, see, need a little bit more out of them, especially when Dame goes to the bench, because that's when. Denver was able to capitalize yeah. on, on Lillard being on the bench. So need a little bit more out of those two in game two. And I but, do think both of them will be better. Oh, so do I. I. I have no doubt as well, especially with Powell's, you know, playoff slash championship pedigree. Like he knows yeah. what it takes. You know what type of a dude you're getting out of him. Not too concerned with Powell and CJ. You know what CJ can do in the playoffs. Yeah, especially <laughs> in Denver. Yep. So, so not, not too concerned about that. It's just one thing you'd like to see so that Dame isn't having to carry the load on a game-to-game basis, even though he proves that he can do it if he's healthy. And yeah. that week off has, has proven to be beneficial for the Trailblazers, especially shooting the rock. But you mentioned defense, Jared, and that that's, was our second key, and that was defending Jokic one-on-one. The, the game plan, essentially, for the Trailblazers was let's make Jokic – get his and don't let any, anyone else go off. And it worked out well with his one assist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Blazers did an excellent job at staying committed to this throughout the entire game. And that's tough because there were times where Jokic was, was really punishing them. Um, But they decided, I mean, that's our game plan. We're going to stick with that. We're not going to deviate from that. They put, they played Jokic straight up the entire game both when Nurk was on the court, but also whenever Jokic was mar- uh, matched up with other defenders like Ennis Cantor, Robert Covington, who he really excelled against. The Blazers still stuck to that, and it worked. Jokic had one assist for the game. I also want to give so much credit to Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah. He was really effective against Jokic. First, he stayed on the court. He played 33 minutes. He was never in foul trouble. He did have four fouls in the game, but it was never, you know, he was never in foul trouble where he couldn't stay on the court. 
Nurkic was a defender on Jokic 68% of the game. And during those, those possessions, when he was defending Jokic, he was really impactful. Keep in mind, he was defending the MVP, who we all believe is going to be the MVP straight up the entire game. And against Nurkic, Jokic shot six for 16 from the field. That's 37.5% and one for five from three. That's 20%. Against all other Blazers defenders, primarily against Cantor and Covington, who defended Jokic about 20% of the time combined, Jokic was eight for 11 from the field, 73%, and made both of his three-pointers. So... It's not just that Nurkic stayed on the court and kind of executed this game plan to, yeah, let's let Jokic beat us, you know, even if he scores, but don't get easy baskets for other, for his teammates. Nurkic, he didn't shut him down because, you know, Jokic was still up putting 16 shots up against him, but he made him shoot a poor percentage from the field and he made him miss all those threes. And that was Nurkic. Nurkic was defending really well against Jokic. And it shows how important it is that Nurk stays on the court as much as possible. He couldn't have done much better of a job than he did in game one. He played 33 minutes. He defended Jokic well. He made Jokic work on defense too. You know, Nurkic had two really good dunks. Hmm. You know, he shot the ball well from the field. He had, I think, 16 points. So Nurk was outstanding, and the Blazers need him to stay locked in like this for the entire series because he's really as good as Damian Lillard is. And as much as, you know, we talked about it, the Nuggets have no answer for Dame. Nurkic is really key in this series, staying on the court, staying out of foul trouble, getting as many minutes as he can. 33 minutes for Nurk is awesome. Mm -hmm. Getting that in against Jokic is important. And if you look at Jokic's assist, the one assist he had, Mm -hmm. ESPN also pointed out the Nuggets made one of 10 shots on passes from Jokic in game one. (laughs) So that plays a big role in Jokic just having the one assist. But it's not like Portland didn't make it difficult for his teammates. You know, he wasn't able to get easy looks for his teammates like he normally does. 40 of the Nuggets' 57 two-point attempts were defended tight with a defender within two to four feet or very tight with a defender within two feet. So the Blazers weren't allowing a lot of open shots off Jokic's playmaking. So it was an effective defensive strategy, a smart strategy, and then they, they executed it very well. Jared, you nailed it. I think that is super interesting Uh hearing those numbers when Nurkic was on him specifically, because that definitely changes the way you look at those stats. Because if, if you're just following along and, and you pick up the box score and you're like, Oh, okay. Jokic 34 and 16. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, like it is they awesome. <laughs> they, they didn't stop him. But when you really get into the nitty gritty there with, with the assists, which is where he just kills teams that that's what, uh, separates him from a lot of the other candidates for MVP is those assists are usually way up because he's impacting the game so much and making everyone else around them around him better. And I, I fully anticipate that those shots are going to fall and uh, you know, you know, it's going to be a, a different type of game. Um, Cause they're, they're not going to, they're not going to miss that many um, especially the, the good, the good looks that they get, but yeah, you're right. Props to Nurk. And what, what he was able to do. This was the Yusuf Nurkic that mm. we have been talking about all year long. That was like, once he gets healthy, once they have him back out there, he's so important to what they do, that he's the anchor of the defense. He's, you know, impacts the offense in so many ways. And you saw it like he was going up 
strong. Like he was yes. throwing it down with authority. He was fighting through contact, laying it in, getting the hoop and harm. Like all of those plays that you want to see from your big man who, who plays in the paint like that. He had it going. That confidence was flowing. Uh, he was oozing with swag out there the way he was carrying himself, which was great to see for the Trailblazers. When Yusuf Nurkic is on his game like that, Portland is so much better as a team. The, their ceiling is so much higher when Nurkic is, is playing like that, when we see him like that. And so, uh, Jared, I, I do think that, that you nailed it in the way that the, the, they followed the game plan. They were patient with it. Even when uh, Jokic was cooking early and the yeah. shots were falling, you were like, oh, this, this, this isn't going to be good. You know, I, I was concerned and was wondering how long before they – decide to make an adjustment, but they stayed, they stayed true to the plan. They believed in Nurk and they were rewarded with, with uh, just a great defensive plan on the league's more than likely MVP. So yeah, you, you know, the what whole time I, the whole time I was, I was hoping like, don't go away from this. This is the right plan. This is what you need to do. And if he gets points then he gets points, that's fine. But I was really happy that the the team, the players, the coaching staff stuck with it because it is the right strategy. It is the right move. And um, yeah, you can't say no, enough about, about Nurkic's performance. I mean, Portland is so infrequently had him healthy and at the top of his game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so this is a chance to finally get to see what the Blazers at full strength, because they're at full strength right now. I mean, it's close as that can be. I mean, Zach Collins is the only one who's not playing, but Nurkic is at full strength. Everyone else is healthy. And so this is a chance to really see what Portland can do with everyone, you know, at the top of their game and and Nurkic in particular, we know that he's the key to making this team in our minds, go from a good team to the potential to be a great team. Totally. And key number three, Jared was the Blazers bench has to keep them in games. And I really, this was such a treat to watch, um, especially to, to follow along on Blazers Twitter to see how excited <laughs> everybody was about this. Uh, because I, I, I really do feel, and this was, I, I even said this on the last podcast, was the Blazers bench is going to win or lose them games. Mm-hmm. Like, like they are that important. When, when uh, Coach Stotts, you know, basically pu- pulled in the reins and said, we're, we're going eight deep. And these three players had to be so good offensively to make up with some of their, you know, defensive deficiencies that, that, that they've had. And they have just come through. Carmelo Anthony was cooking in the first quarter, had 12 points, finished with 18. They, the crowd was booing him and it just got him charged up. <laughs> Uh, we got Blazers fans charged up too. (laughs) Oh man. And so we, we got to see playoff mellow, um, who, who was just gave them that necessary boost that they needed so badly, uh, when the shots weren't falling early for, you know, Dame and CJ and Powell, he, he came on and did his job and that's tough to, to beat when you're getting 18 from your guy off the bench. And then Anthony Simons was just so good, man. So good. Those spot up threes. He's been, you know, towards, you know, top 15 in the league at, at knocking down that three. And uh, gosh, he just, it's almost like he's a seasoned vet out there. Uh, the way he handled the stage this time around. And 
embraced that role and, and was fearless and, and didn't, didn't hesitate in his shot taking. And that was huge. He only missed a, a shot. So to have Anthony come through like that and, you know, Dame saying after the game, he's growing up right before our eyes. And, you know, Dame saying, I, I've, I've always had this confidence in him from the, from the time that uh, we saw him at the draft camp and I had a chance to have lunch with him and, and sit there and just pick his brain. And he felt like he was part of the team before he was even drafted. So like there's that bond, not only with Dame and Anthony Simons, but also with this team, you can tell how much they want to see him succeed. And to do it at this pace, this young in his career, like shows you his potential. So to, you know, score 14 points on five of six shooting, do it in 23 minutes, just bravo. It was the, the lift that the Blazers needed off the bench with those two combining for 32 points. Yeah, I mean, getting to see playoff mellow is outstanding. Um, like I said, I mean, seeing the Denver fans boo him, you know, got him fired up. It also got Blazers fans fired up. I mean, you saw that on social media as that was happening. I mean, Blazers fans are they're um, they're defensive about their their <laughs> beloved mellows, so they they didn't like that. And what incredible progress from Anthony Simons. You know, if you had told me earlier in the season that he was going to be making this kind of contribution in the playoffs, I would not have believed it. I agree. And he's come so far and is really becoming a, a very dangerous player um, that, that opponents have to have to account for. And that's, that's exactly what the Blazers need. They need that off the bench. Um, Anthony and Simons, they were both a plus six in the game. And the bench did its job. The starting lineup outscored Denver by 10 points in nearly 23 minutes together in game one. But there was this bench unit that featured Mello, Simons, and Ennis Cantor, Mm -hmm. plus Damian Lillard and Robert Covington on the floor with them. That was incredible. That uh, they played seven minutes together. And in those seven minutes, they, they outscored the Nuggets by 13 points. (laughs) And that's, that's outstanding. And we talked about, you know, trading baskets and that's what we needed the bench to do. I mean, they did more than that. Um, All told, there were other, you know, lineups featuring the bench that did not fare as well. And so we're going to need to see that ironed out in, in game two and going forward, but all, all told Anthony Simons and Cantor played 15 minutes together in game one and the Blazers did outscore the Nuggets by two points during that time. So they did. The net rating is where it needs to be. Um, You keep the Blazers in the game when Dame's you know, not on the court when those bench, you know, that bench unit is in there and that's what they did. Um, if you look at just Anthony and Simons, cause Cantor didn't have a very good game. Cantor can definitely be better, but if you look at just Mello and Simons, they played 20 minutes together and the Blazers outscore the Nuggets by eight in their minutes together. So Mello and, and Simons were great and really big contributors and the Blazers win. Big time performance. They're, they're going to need more of that. Yep. Uh, especially when, when Dame is out, you know, um, I remember earlier this season, us talking about Simons was the odd man out. Like it looked yeah. like he wasn't going to play and his game has just flourished. Um, he's, he's playing better on defense because that was really what it came down to was how much can you have those three guys out there? You know, as you know, how much of a liability are they defensively with, Anthony Cantor and Simons and Stotts has found ways to, to play them together 
mix and matching the combination of players that works well. And um, these guys are, are playing with confidence right now. Those three that when you put them out there, they believe that they're going to have a, a positive impact on, on how this game rolls out. And man, that, 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 that was so needed uh, to have two out of those three have a big game. Yeah. And more than anything else, I mean, it's just how good their offense is because they yeah. you know the defense with them on the court is still not great, but their offense is so good that, that it makes up for it. Um, you talked earlier in the podcast about how uh, Norman Powell and CJ McCall need to be better. And, and that was, we saw that in the fourth quarter when Dame sat and the Nuggets made a little run to kind of make it uh, closer, got within four. And that was when Dame was off the court and, and, and that unit in, you know, it included those, those bench players, but also CJ and Norm, and they need to be better. They need to be, you know, those, those bench, those three bench players, those three reserves, they need, you know, good production, good leadership from CJ and Norm in order for those, you know, bench units to, to work and, and not get, you know, outscored so much that, that you let the team back into the game when Dame's sitting. And so those two need to be better. Um, I, I expect them to, but, um, they they kind of let the Blazers down in the early in the fourth quarter. There there was a, a play that happened in the first quarter, end of the first quarter, that was just beautiful basketball mm-hmm. um, offensively. I, I just tweeted it out today, courtesy of uh, NBC Sports Northwest. But I just thought the it was like the perfect ball movement, the yeah. extra pass that went through everyone's hands. No dribble. You know, from Dame to Mello to Cantor, the kick out to Covington. And then Anthony Simons drills the wide open three. It was just a thing of beauty. And having motion like that just changes the way this team flows, gives other guys confidence. Everyone is involved. And I think that just makes the Blazers even deadlier. So to go through this game and, and uncharacteristically have 29, what was it? 29 assists, 29 assists yeah, yeah. and just six turnovers. Uh, this offense was clicking. Yeah. The ball movement was incredible all game. I loved that play. Um, when Covington got the ball, you know, the, I guess that was the fourth pass. Mm-hmm. Um, he was open. Yeah. He was open at three, but Simons was there just a little bit more open. And so he, he moved the ball along and yeah, it was beautiful. They gave up a, a good a good shot for an even better shot. That's which right. Was awesome. All right, Jared. Key number four was don't let Michael Porter Jr. arrive to his coming out party. What do you think, man? Uh, he was good. He was good. He had twenty five points, nine boards. He made all eleven of his two point attempts, but the Blazers shut him down from three. You know, he missed nine of ten three pointers. I don't think that's going to be the case going forward. Michael Porter Jr. is one of the best outside shooters in the NBA. I expect him to be much better than that. But the Blazers didn't make life easy for him. If you look at the the data, the Blazers actually did give up a lot of open looks from three in game one. Uh, 25 of the Nuggets' 36 three-point attempts were either open with no defender closer than four feet or wide open with no defender closer than six feet. But that did not apply to Michael Porter Jr. They really focused on making sure that they crowded him, didn't give him any daylight. The Blazers, of his 10 three-point attempts, only three were open or wide open. You know, the other seven three-point attempts, the Blazers played tight defense with a defender within two feet. 
So Porter's primary defender was Norman Powell. And even though we talked about how he wasn't very good offensively, he really defended well against Porter Jr. He defended him about 45% of the time in yesterday's game. And he was effective. Porter, uh, Porter had nine of his 25 points against Powell. He was four for seven for the field, but he missed one of four from three. So Covington, Lillard, and McCollum all spent a little time defending him too. And I think all of them were effective. So I think Porter Jr. was good. I mean, 25 points, nine rebounds, you know, so effective inside the arc. You can't like completely discount what he did, but missing nine of 10 from three, I mean, that's really where he can hurt the Blazers. You know, he hits a few of those threes. It's a completely different game. So the Blazers need to continue to crowd him, not give him any daylight. I think, I think Powell did a good job defensively against him, but I do expect him to perform better to hit some of those threes. I mean, he's too good of a shooter to expect him to, you know, shoot 10 for 10% from three, but give that a check to the Blazers for now. And let's see what Porter Jr. Does the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how he adapts. Mm-hmm. How, how will he change up his game uh, to try and get better looks? Will he, will he concede and continue to attack and take what's given or will he trust the offense, wait for that open three? Because I am a little bit concerned when you mention those numbers um, on those good looks that the Nuggets are, are getting because they're going to they're gonna fall eventually. Yeah. And, you know, the, the key to this game, you know, the Nuggets shooting 11 of 36 from three, 30%. The Blazers go well above their magic number and, and hit 47% of their threes, 19 of 40 they 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 don't lose very many games when they shoot that high of a clip from 3 um but with Michael Porter Jr I also like how the Blazers made him work defensively yeah, and right. that can that can have an impact on what you do offensively and it, it really was like we saw the way that Jokic you know lit up or just as soon as he saw Cantor on him went right at him. I mean, it was yeah. like, get out, get out the way. Yep. <laughs> um, it's, it's time to eat. And it was the same way when they were able to get that switch and MPJ had to guard Dame. Yep. And Dame was like, all right, baby, let's go. It's my and time. Dame, you know? Dame was hunting that switch. Oh, totally. Over and over again. Totally. And so I've got to imagine at least a little bit that impacts Michael Porter's game on, on offense, you know, where, yeah. you know, early on, he's like, all right, all right, you got yours. I want to come back at you. But as you're just working on a guy over and over again, um, that can wear on you a little bit. And so let's see how, what type of resolve Porter Jr. has from three, because overall, yeah, he's 25 and nine from your number two guy offensively. Like that's cool. But that, that one for 10, he's got to be better in, uh, from three in order for the Nuggets to win this series because they've got to be able to manufacture points. 109 isn't going to cut it with this Blazers offense no. when it's clicking like that. It's just no. not going to happen. And Port- Michael Porter Jr. has got to be one of the main ways that, that the Nuggets are able to get points because you look at it, I mean, it, Jokic has got his, but then after that, Gordon has 16. He's two for four from three, which is, which is pretty good. And then um, Morris with 10 off the bench and that was it. Everyone else single digits or didn't score. Yeah. And I mean, going back to the, the open threes, the Blazers allowed, I mean, I think that, and I don't know if it was strategic, you know, they didn't, coaches haven't talked about it, but if you, 
it's okay to allow open threes to the right players. If Good you're point. allowing, you know, Aaron Gordon to shoot open threes, if you're you allowing that, right? yeah, Austin Rivers to shoot open threes, if you're, I, I think that's okay. As long as you are defending, you know, the right guys, the right way from the three point line. And they did that against Michael Porter jr. Mm-hmm. Um, something, I mean, I noticed was Jokic had, I think six open three point attempts in last night's game. And thankfully he, I think he only hit one of them, but there was after the game, Stotts talked about how he wanted the Blazers. He thought they did a good job against Jokic, but he wants the Blazers to crowd Jokic a little more. Mm-hmm. And I think he was, I think he was referring to the three point line that we can't just let him like, you know, he shot 38, 39% from three this year. So they can't let Jokic have those open threes. But I think when you're talking about some of the other players on offense for the Nuggets, yeah, let them have open threes. And that's, that's okay. But you've got to make sure you shut down and crowd the right three-point shooters. And I think the Blazers definitely did that against Michael Porter Jr. and need to clean that up against Jokic a little bit more in game two. Oh, that's, that's such a good point because, yeah, it does matter who you're giving those open looks to. And Jokic is not one of those dudes you want to give wide open no. threes to. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, overall, he was three of seven from three, yep. which, you know, from your big, yeah. <laughs> you, you'll take that. Yeah. So don't, don't let him get hot from out there because once that happens, good luck. Good luck. Like, he's going he's gonna to light you up so bad. Um, so, Jared, you, you touched on it at the end there. What type of adjustments do you think need to be made to come away with a victory in game two for the blazers yeah yeah i don't think you change that much um mm-hmm. i think you crowd uh Jokic, you know don't give him open three-pointers like like we t- talked about i think that you expect better performance from cj mccollum and norman powell but i don't think there's any may necessarily strategic adjustment you make for that you just expect them both to be you know more effective um and that probably you probably don't expect Mello and Simons to be quite as good as they were. I mean, the way they shot the ball from three, you probably don't expect them to continue it at that clip. So maybe if CJ and Norm are a little bit better, that makes up for it. Um, but right now I think that the Blazers did almost everything right in game one. So I don't think you make a lot of adjustments. You kind of see what adjustments Denver comes at you with in game two, and then you adjust accordingly. But for now, I think that you stick with the game plan of, of making Jokic beat you and not, you know, making it easier for him to make his teammates better. And you see if you can continue to make that work. And I think you have to be careful. I assume that Denver is going to do everything they can to get Nurkic off the court. Mm-hmm. Because if Nurkic is not on the court and Jokic can go up against Cantor or Covington or whomever, he's going to dominate. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you're probably going to see them be really physical against Nurkic, try to get him into foul trouble. I think you're going to see Mike Malone talking to the refs a lot about Nurkic all the time. You know, if you can get him off the court, you can get Nurkic into foul trouble. That gives the Nuggets a big advantage. And so I think you have to protect against that. Make sure that Nurkic, you know, be reminding him all the time to keep his head in the games. You know, just he didn't have a lot of, sometimes we see these, you know, mental errors from Nurkic and he didn't have that in game one. So you have to really be on him to make sure that he keeps his head in the game and, and continues to execute the way he did in game one, because if he can't stay on the court, like he did in game one, it's going to be hard for the Blazers to, to steal another win in Denver. 
I think that's um, on the money in terms of what Denver needs to do to have a chance to win this game. I, obviously, they've got to knock down threes. They've got to yeah. manufacture points from somewhere just to keep up because the Blazers' offense has shown no sign of slowing down. No. Um, the past couple of weeks, they specifically – I mean, I know this offense has been top tier most of the year, but now they're on an elite level right now offensively. So that's the biggest concern for, for Denver is how am I going to get buckets? How, and, you know, MPJ has to be able to knock down threes. Yeah. It has to happen. Um, but, yes, they've got to go at Nurk. Yep. They, they, they've got to attack him. They have to make Nurk's life a little tougher, uh, force him to make some decisions on do I defend it? Do I let it go? How important is this possession? try and draw some fouls, get him frustrated. That's going to be huge for them. And I think you're right. Um, Michael Malone will be working. <laughs> we'll, we'll be working the sidelines a little extra. I was surprised he didn't say anything in post game. You know, you've seen that with coaches kind of play those mind games in between playoff games to maybe get a, a more favorable whistle from the refs in the next game. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Jackson was, was a pro at it. And I was surprised that he didn't make any mention of it about how physical they let Nurkic play against Jokic to maybe get that in the officials' minds to, you know, to just, you get a a cheap foul or two against Nurkic, get him off the court, and it changes the entire equation for Denver. Totally. Worst thing that could happen for the Blazers is Nurk picks up two quick fouls in the first quarter. Like I I think that's that's like the worst thing that could happen, you know, in terms of, you know, in realistic terms right. of you know, game, <laughs> game stuff. Um, Nurk being in foul trouble right out of the gate, uh, I think w- w- could be a huge turning point in that game and, and also taking, you know, evening up the series. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, those are the two huge things for Denver. And, and you mentioned it with, with Portland is just, all right, let's see a little bit more from CJ offensively. Let's see a little bit more from Nor- Norman Powell offensively continue to play the way you did defensively and you you keep them in that low 100 range and I mean this this series could be over early if that's the case if the Blazers get another win in Denver on Monday I mean never say never but this series is over Mm -hmm. so I mean that's that's what's on the line here and so they have to execute just as as well as they did in game one and and hope that the the Nuggets don't make too many you know effective adjustments but i'm excited i mean monday should be last night's game was extremely entertaining and i expect every game in the series to be the same yep yep i'm, I'm excited about it too um monday night seven o'clock pacific time tnt will have the game so that should be entertaining if yeah. you're local if you're local you can check it out on nbc sports northwest as well um but yeah seeing the tnt crew on that game, I want to hear what they have to say. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's if it's. I'm, I'm assuming they're in playoff mode as well, so they'll have you know Chuck, Kenny, yeah. and Shaq or some. Tune in know. at halftime and after the game. And <laughs> exactly. I, I want to hear what Barkley has to say about those Blazers because <laughs> he's, he gets on the Blazers bandwagon very quickly. You know how does. it rolls with Chuck. <laughs> so so that's going to be cool. Just it's going to be you know must see TV here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, in playoff mode, man. (laughs) Jared, any, any final words before we wrap up this podcast? No, I think it's, 
I think we're good. I think I'd just, you know, enjoy every moment. Playoff basketball is the best. And we don't know how long the Blazers are going to be, going to be in it. Hopefully they have a nice long run ahead of them. But, you know, enjoy every game. Enjoy, enjoy playoff basketball. And a little bit more motivation is the Phoenix Suns beat the Lakers in game one. 99 yes. to 90. So I, I know there's, it's a long way to go. I, I, <laughs> I think the Nuggets Blazers is a deep series. I think all of us had, had it go into seven games. Yeah. And until, you know, Portland, you know, wins back to back in Denver, I'm still going to stick to what, how I think this series will play out. But if you want to look ahead, <laughs> just know that that series is one nothing right now in favor of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Great performance by the Suns. You know, especially <laughs> defensively shutting down the Lakers. And also, Jared, we, we tried to warn our listeners that you don't know when a, a podcast is going <laughs> to drop during playoff time. So just watch out because we're going to be in our bag. Who knows? We might just, you know, have an emergency podcast every now and then. So be on the lookout for this pod. Expect another one sometime this week um, with, with the three of us. But we just felt the need that we needed to get get on it and talk about game one and not let it, uh, you know, just sit there because uh, each game is going to have its own story to tell. Absolutely. All right, Jared, nice work, man. Let's, let's run it back next time. Even better than ever. Appreciate everyone for supporting the podcast. Continue to subscribe and let everyone know about this. It helps us out so much. We love doing the podcast and I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Take care, everyone. We'll see you on the next one. See ya.